0: Hey, what's up, friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. So good to have you here with us today on episode three zero one. We're so excited that we are uh, we've crossed the three hundred mark. This is uh, really really cool. We really do appreciate you being here. Whether this is your first episode, you've been listening to or uh, you've been here for all 300 plus episodes. We really do appreciate your uh, your support and kindness. In fact, to celebrate episode 300, we are doing a huge giveaway where the grand prize is actually gonna be free enrollment in our new program called Virtual Speaking Pro. Plus, we're gonna give you a bundle of five of my favorite speaking books, a uh, free copy of my new book, The Successful Speaker, and Maybe the biggest part, maybe, maybe not, depending on who you are, uh, is an hour-long one-on-one coaching session with me, which I'm really excited about. I cannot wait for. Uh, and so to enter the giveaway, all you're going to do is visit thespeakerlab.com slash giveaway, thespeakerlab.com slash giveaway. And the good news is, is that if you don't win the grand prize, you actually have five runner-up winners as well. Who are going to get a copy of my new book, The Successful Speaker, plus an hour-long group coaching call with myself and Eric Ream, who's one of our amazing coaches and our director of education here at The Speaker Lab. So six winners in total. You don't want to miss it. Again, all you have to do to enter this giveaway is to visit thespeakerlab.com slash giveaway. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash giveaway. All right, we've got a great show for you today. We've got a great guest. We're going to be talking with Ryan Giffen, and this is actually a Facebook Live we did just recently. We actually had Ryan on the show back in episode 154. Ryan is a speaker agent for Premier Speakers Bureau and a great guy, very knowledgeable about the speaking industry. So I wanted to have a conversation with him. He does a lot specifically in the education space, a lot with teachers, a lot with colleges and schools. And just ask him, hey, what are you seeing right now with with all that's going on in the world? And and as we near schools going back and uh, the start of school and what that's going to look like what are you seeing? What are you hearing? What are you, as far as speakers go in the speaking industry and in the education space? So we have a long, great conversation, uh, about all things speaking, uh, what, what's going on right now in the world. So I think you're really going to get a lot from this conversation with Ryan. So, uh, let's jump right into it. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here, today joined by my buddy Ryan Giffen. Ryan is uh, one of the agents over at Premier Speakers Bureau here in the outskirts of Nashville, Tennessee. And so I wanted to have uh, Ryan come on here. He is uh, someone who's been in the agent game for many, many years. Uh, We've had him on the podcast a couple times before, but wanted to talk about kind of what he's seeing uh, on the front lines. He's someone who's dealing with and working with uh, speakers and event planners uh, literally day in and day out. And so uh, excited to have some uh, perspective from him on what's happening in the speaking industry. Uh, through his eyes. So Ryan, thanks for joining us, man. How you doing today?
1: Hey, man, I'm alive. I'm alive and well. We're doing great.
0: Hanging in there.
1: Fine. Everything's fine. Everything's good. No, man, we're doing great. Thanks. Hey, Grant, thank you for all the hard work that you're doing out there. I know you're kind of trying to be a, a, a light to so many people that are kind of in that weird place and you're doing a great job.
0: Man, I appreciate it. We're uh, we're all figuring it out as we go. I know we're all sick and tired of hearing that the of the unprecedented times that we are in, but and this has certainly affected a lot of industries, but uh, uh, definitely the the speaking industry. So, for some quick background and context, kind of give us a snapshot. Uh, what's your role at Premier? How long have you been there? Uh, what do you do as a speaker agent? What industries do you you primarily work with?
1: Uh, if you were to ask me that in January, I'd say I've been here for about 12 years now. I say I've been here for about 37 years is what it feels <laughs> like. Uh, it's been a, a crazy few months. But no, I, I started at Premier in uh, June of 2008. So I just kind of finished uh, 12 years here at Premier. I primarily am doing uh, education, K-12, university uh, events kind of in the, in the uh, public sector, uh, yeah. for universities. Uh, and yeah, man, I'm an agent and I'm, I'm loving it. It's great. Stuff. Nice, very I nice. got, I so, got, I got Abraham Lincoln here. Got right behind him back me, there. So,
0: so we good. got him.
1: Thanks. Thanks. Eric wall.
0: Appreciate <laughs> it. So, uh, so as someone who's been working, especially in the education space for uh, a -hmm. long time, what is kind of a day in and day out? Like what's your normal, uh, what's your normal role? You're kind of, you're kind of the matchmaker between speakers and events. So you're talking with a lot of events, event planners, you're talking a lot with a lot of decision makers and you're trying to find the right speaker for the gigs that they Mm -hmm. may be looking for. Uh, So what, what does an average day look like for you?
1: Yeah, so uh, coming into Premier, having zero clue even what a speakers bureau was, right? I, you know, when I was when I first looked at the catalog that Premier used to mail out to our event planners that we worked with, right? I remember looking through that. I'm like, I don't know any of these people, and like, I should, I should know these people. So when I came knowing nothing about it, I was just kind of in a uh, take it in mode. And what I really kind of found out where Premier's niche was going to be successful in the education space was predominantly with the k twelve schools uh, with teacher events, training events, uh, professional development events. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we kind of had a, a really good all-star cast uh, of me coming into premier of some exclusives that were with Premier that really kind of helped establish the the education market. but just growing that and seeing that, there is a substantial market in the education space for professional development and those types of areas in the university space. You know, I'm really kind of on a day to day basis, really working with student groups or university that holds for their speaker series or, uh, you know, convocation events. So, um, you know, that's that's kind of a crazy world right, right now, too. There's a lot of whole virtual, you know, commencement ceremony speakers and th- those types of stuff. Uh, so that's kind of uh, what I'm doing there. So.
0: All right. So, uh, so I want to hear, hope like, I, inter- I hope I answered your question. You did. You did totally. And so uh, I'm curious on, on two yeah. fronts, like one, like what are you kind of yeah. hearing? Cause again, you work with a bunch of agents there, uh, you know, yeah. friends, I'm friends with several of you guys over there. Uh, and so what are you kind of hearing amongst agents just across the mm-hmm. board in the speaking industry? Uh, yeah. and then I want to kind of, I want to dig into, especially in the education space, since again, you're, you're on the front lines there, what you're hearing, but yeah. as you kind of talk amongst yourselves internally there, what's, what's yeah. kind of the the sense that you guys have at the moment?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, education right now differs a little bit from the corporate uh, space. Uh, you know, there there's a little bit more. Uh, th- there's a lot more to prepare for in education right now with, mm-hmm. you know, the world's teachers really kind of being in limbo, even up to this day with school starting in three or four weeks of are we going online for our classes? Are we doing a blended where we're going to be some in, uh, in classroom, some not? And so, there's a whole lot more stuff going on in education, but in a whole with, uh, you know, at Premier, it really just is kind of boiling down to, you know, we're it's every week something new kind of develops or, mm-hmm. you know, it are, is August or, you know, is October fall events going to hold water, right? Are we going yeah. to see that? Some people are saying, yeah, we're moving forward and some people are saying, hey, we're going to postponed so we're getting kind of a mix of that and, and it is it is kind of a, a difficult balance uh, yeah. that we have a lot of people are you know kind of you know eager to do make book events and uh, make decisions but with all the unknowns in front of them we are seeing a little bit less you know frequency of those types of bookings that we'd be seeing at this time of the year So uh, it is, it's, it's, you know, we're, we're in a situation where we're having to just respond to the market and the market's responding in various different ways with different groups. And like everybody says, and I, I was just talking to a client today and I was just saying, you know, I hate to beat this drum, but this is a geographical you know, issue that we're dealing with, you know, i will talk to one group in California, and they're like, by the way, the world ends tomorrow, um, and everything's done. Uh, and then I'll talk to a group in Ohio, or Missouri, or Nebraska, and they're like, you're like, we're going in person, woo!" you know, so it's like, well, and, and it is geographical. Um, yeah. You know, Illinois used to be kind of like this lockdown place. Now their numbers are good. So some people are like, hey, let's do some Illinois, you know, it, it, it changes yeah. so much. And there's, You just have to kind of always be on it and flexible and ready to go.
0: Uh, are you also seeing not only just geographically, but are you seeing certain types of events uh, or certain types of spaces that are are uh, more open to doing something than others? So, for example, you know, universities uh, versus doing you know professional development trainings for teachers and educators versus you know uh, school assembly speakers, you know, or the right. size of the school, or what are yeah. some of the things in addition to ge- geography that you're seeing? Like, I'm starting to see a little bit more traffic mm-hmm. here, and this is yeah. still kind of on the back burner over there. Yeah. Yeah, so
1: in my space, you know, I think education is kind of feeling the same pinch that corporate is when it comes to some of the larger like national conferences or state conferences where you have a lot of people coming together, uh, you know, two, 3,000 attendee conferences. You know, I think those people are still going to be feeling the pinch, not able to kind of move forward. They're, they're kind of picking up their events and putting them into 2021 uh, and just kind of like you know, hoping for the best where I'm seeing the most action is, and kind of what I was going back to was talking about earlier with the blended learning, online teacher training, uh, getting our our, uh, teachers ready for an unprecedented start of the school year, which is going to be completely different than any other start of the school year in the history of uh, the world. But uh, you know, we're seeing a lot of those professional development events where teachers are getting training for, you know, uh, online or remote teaching, blended learning, uh, you know, but we're also seeing some groups that are saying, hey, you know, we need someone to encourage us and to, to, to make us laugh and yeah. to help us kind of refocus on our why and, and, and be the compass to like, hey, this is a tough situation, tough time, but we need the we need the encouragement and that this is why we're doing what we're doing and the you know that motivational message almost in a sense and so they're kind of hungry for that as well um you know we're seeing those happen in person uh when they can sometimes uh but also virtually you know we're, we're seeing those things happen but yeah in in that space those teacher training events i mean i, I think it's going to be interesting for all you Any speakers or people that you're working with, Grant, that are kind of following your work or a part of your group that are doing student events, it's Mm -hmm. going to be an interesting space because, like, for instance, where you and I live, Grant, in Williamson County, you know, they're still going to have student assemblies up to a certain level. But once they cross a certain threshold in cases, they kind of go like we're seeing a lot of these tiered systems that – Uh, you know, we're not going to do student assemblies if we get to this point, or hey, no student assemblies this year, or if we do student assemblies, you're going to have to do like 37 of them in one day because we can only have you know 12 people in a room at one time, right? So, I just an exaggeration, but you know, we have had some groups say, hey, we want him to speak to the students, but he's going to have to do we're going to have to have six. You know, assemblies instead of the two that we normally do yeah. uh, just so we can have space and, you know, just that flexibility that the speakers have to have with that. And normally you'd be like, whoa, six in a day. I can do that. Or, yeah, that's hard. But, yeah. you know, we're, we're seeing a bunch of that. It's going to that piece of the business of the speaking business, speaking to students is going to, we're going to slowly see what that's going to look like as schools get back into school, get back into the classrooms, see what the case numbers do. um, You know, and then at that point it will, you know, we'll just kind of have to respond to it as it, as it goes. So
0: how long do you think it'll be before, you know, some, some of the larger conferences or events or even assemblies come back? I mean, if we're talking, you know, several hundred people, or or even in some cases, several thousand people, uh, do you, you got anything in your crystal ball that would tell us, you know, uh, is that going to happen this year? It's, it doesn't seem likely. Um, but even into, you know, are we talking a year from now or even a couple of years from now? Any, any sense of, of what that could look like? Yeah. I
1: mean, I, I never, I never want to kind of like, say, here's what I think. Cause I don't want to, to one, and you don't want to like predict anything wrong. Cause like, no. who knows? Like
0: we're all who, making you know, educated guesses right now.
1: Yeah. We're making educated guesses. It's so hard. I, I really think school districts are going to have a hard time putting all the students, maybe like a six, like a, you know, high school, all high school students. So those traditional, you know, bleachers are filled with students yep. or, An auditorium of 1500 students just crammed in there with teachers standing in the back, right? Those types of uh, assemblies. I think those are going to, we're going to have a hard time doing those. We are going to see more of the, hey, we're going to do four or five in one day. Uh, It's going to take a lot more work. But man, I I think it will get to a point where if we can sustain low numbers and reopenings are not causing spikes, I mean, I think that's going to be your determination. People will do more bigger events, but. You know, honestly, like that the whole like this is the wishful thinking part, like until a vaccine comes, these larger conferences where two, three thousand people coming from around the country, a world are together. Yeah. Uh, you know, those are going to be tough, tough to do. I think they can be done. We've had live events already play with, you know, 200 folks and, you know, they had medical checks and masks and social distancing and they're, you know, they were separated uh, they're nervous there's a lot of tension you could tell, uh, of the unknown, but I think they're doable. Yeah. It's just going to take that right situation, uh, for it to happen. And I think that right situation sometimes does happen more at that local level than at the national or state level.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, what's your take on virtual right now? There's obviously a bunch of things that are happening virtually. Yeah. I know for especially early on, um, my sense was that a lot of speakers were a little apprehensive about doing more virtual. A lot of event planners are mm-hmm. a little apprehensive on doing more virtual. And now, you know, here we are in the middle of the summer and and you know several months into this, and and there's there's not a lot of other viable options at the moment, right? You know, um, yeah. and it's certainly different. It's uh, like we can't say like, oh, it's the same. It's not the same. Um, but at the same time, we don't have a a ton of other great options at the moment. So uh what are you seeing as far as are more and more live events that were mm-hmm. supposed to happen switching to virtual? Are new virtual events popping up? What what what's your what what's your what, what are you seeing in, in uh the category of virtual?
1: Yeah. So man, if I could chart my what I would tell talk to people about on the phone about my perspective of virtual, if I could chart that from <laughs> mid-March to now, like it's <laughs> It's gone like all over the place right. and, and zipped around. And, you know, the, it, it, and again, it, it, it because this problem affects everybody, there's not one solution. There's like 10 or 15. Like, honestly, the, the thing that's best for virtual is when teachers and again, I know this is a very small group and a very even more limited group because of the number of people that are specialized in this area online teaching and virtual training for teachers to be able to prepare them to be virtual instructors should be done online, should be done virtually yeah. right in that space that you're training them to be an instructor or a teacher in. So that space makes completely complete sense. And uh, in, in doing that we are uh, just in general, I mean, I'm seeing virtual events. We're booking new virtual events, people saying, Hey, you know, Whether it was, um, you know, we had this event, but we're going to do it virtually. Uh, We've had situations where, you know, they've had one of our speakers booked for the event. They've converted that to virtual. Um, And so all all the situations go uh, are all over the place. But uh, virtual is not. okay. so here's an example that I give to people and you guys can use this. Virtual is not easier, period. It's convenient, but it's not easier yeah virtual preparing virtual content customizing it uh you know making sure everything is because you're not just in a room full of people with your powerpoint you got the people's powerpoints like five inches from their face they're extreme like those little like small edits that you like would stay up all night the night before making and eventually be like well no one's ever going to notice like in virtual dude they're going to notice like they're going (laughs) to see it they're focus is, you know, uh, is really strong in virtual. And so prep for virtual is not easier. And the example that we kind of talk to, and we, we joke about with a lot of the education groups that we work with and education speakers just like you ask every teacher in America, uh, is teaching virtually easier or teaching in the classroom easier? And they would say in the classroom, like a hundred percent. So, you know, granted, yeah, you can't teach with gym shorts on or, you know, sweatpants on. So there's conveniences to it. You know, you don't have to travel to the event. There's conveniences. You don't have to, you know, you know, fly across the country and, you know, shake people's hands and get up early and stay in a hotel. Sure. Those are all conveniences, but it's not easier. And so it is this really difficult question of, you know, the industry standard for virtual is like half fee of what your normal, you know, keynote fee was. Uh, you know, and I think that's just the normal of what people think, uh, as, you know, uh, the value that they're going to get from it. But what I've seen is that people can bring solid value and content in virtual. I honestly, like part of me, and I know this is not like, maybe if this all stuff keeps up for, you know, a long time and people kind of make that shift to understanding virtual is being as important or necessary as in-person, right. then it could, but honestly, like the value that the speaker brings, if their content's good, I mean, I kind of think you could charge the same, but what I've done in those situations and what your speakers can do as a, as a model is that I, I really like to tear out my virtual, right? So I might be getting too technical here, but I really like to tear out my virtual, so sure, a a 20 to 30 minute virtual presentation or what we would call a keynote maybe, maybe not even call it that. Sure, like that can be at a low budget range, fee range, uh, you know, that you can ask for half of your fee for. But really what they're needing is added value and content, right? Extra time. And so I always work in, hey, here's a a 30 minute option, a 60 minute option. Here's a 60 minute keynote with, a virtual breakout or a virtual office hours. You know, We're getting a lot of uh, those and those are very standard in virtual trainings uh, where you do your training or your speaking and then you just are in a, essentially it's recreating the after the speech or after the event at the book signing table or at, right. the, at the stage where people come up to you and ask you questions, personal questions. Hey, I, you know, here's something, what do you think about this? That recreates that space offering that. Now, granted, it does take you more time to offer those, but I think you can scale your fee up on what you bring as far as value and time that can get you closer to your standard fee. So you're not just saying, well, I can't my business model doesn't work when I'm at 50 percent of pricing. Well, you need to readjust your pricing whenever the market changes. So, you know, your value of doing a 60 minute live keynote is probably going to be the same as a 30 minute virtual keynote. And then you move it up from there. And that's just something that I was I've been kind of toying with.
0: Yeah, and you kind of touched on it there, but I've I've heard different you know uh, schools of thought from various speakers and and those in the industry and some speakers who are going, hey, the value is the same in terms of the content of what I'm bringing to the table, whether I'm in person or whether it's online, and others who are saying like it's not, it's not the same experience, and so there's there's no way you can charge the same. Uh, There's also uh, one of the things I've seen, I think you you may have seen this as well. Is the higher-level production value that a speaker is bringing to the table in terms of their lightings, per- perhaps multiple cameras, their microphone setup—you know, uh, like a Vin Zhang, a Clint Pulver, like some guys who have like some really legit setups—are um, yep. yep. charging really solid, you know, fees around, if not on the same par as what their, you know, in-person fees would be. Uh, so, any other just kind of like big-picture thoughts that you're thinking that you have noticed or observations that you've made as far as speakers who are thinking about as they are quoting prices for virtual, because uh you know i did an interview the other day with uh with john acuff and um i know one of your your guys clients and you guys do a lot of work with him yeah, not was, not, was,
1: fa- not familiar with john <laughs> he's uh, up and coming <laughs> he'll be okay
0: he might be able to make something of himself uh, yeah. but uh it's kind of like it's just kind of the wild wild west right now like everyone's kind of like right you know uh events are making this up speakers are making this up um but any other observations that you've had on on speaking fees right now for virtual
1: yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it, it does. There's components that <clears throat> add to it. You know, your your production value, your wow factor, uh, engagement are all things that you really have to, you know, how am I intentionally engaging my uh, virtual audience every three to four minutes you know normally when you get on stage you can speak you know you engage your audience when you start you start with questions and more light stuff and then your really important stuff and then you can kind of get into your content and you can find yourself on stage speaking for 10-15 minutes without ever asking the audience to think of something or to discuss something or anything like that completely different with virtual so your engagement you know, has to be at top level and being creative with that, using virtual tools to do that, polls, uh, you know, you know, uniquely using your comment section or Q&A section to kind of create a conversation that's going on because you are able to kind of ask them to break focus a little bit in a virtual setting than you would in a, uh, an in-person setting uh, and engaging with that kind of content. But production value, yeah, I mean, if you've got Clint Pulver, you know, all these guys that you mentioned, they, they already had wonderful production value to their uh, keynote and they just translated what they did to virtual. And so what you have to kind of do is one, I need to stay to my brand. Like I can't have like, you know, fire flames coming up behind me and like, you can't falsely, you can't, you can't like manipulate your production value. It's got to match your brand, but honestly, like, you can have, and and Clint and Vin do it well, and they bring great content. However, if you try to do high production, high engagement, and your content is flat, yeah. and it's not everything you got, then you're going to be, it's not going to help you. Right. So like, to me, I conclude to content, like we've always said, just as if Dave Ramsey cash is king for speaker world, like content is king. Right. Like if you don't have applicable content that challenge people to think, that make them say, "Ah, oh, I never thought of it that way. Or yep. oh, I'm going to try that differently. If you don't have that content ready to go, you're not going to be successful. I don't care if you have, you know, tiger king ke- tigers jumping behind, you know, behind you. Like it just won't work at right. all. Uh, so that, that's a number a huge crucial thing to remember. But yeah. Um, uh, another one of our speakers put out a really cool uh, and you may have seen it and you may know who I'm talking about, but he basically kind of categorized, Hey, here, here's, here's the production level of, of options that I have just as like option one is pretty much like on your iPhone. That's like the level of, speaking that you're going to get then we have well lit and then like all the way he's got like five stages of well produced you know all the highest is very well produced standing up delivering it like a keynote with maybe some props or something that he's able to work within his content um so that too you know if if you aren't comfortable with always being in the high level production you know Business or high high production level uh, key, virtual keynote, then give yourself some space to allow customers to choose because you know one group one may come to you and be like, man, we just need you for 30 minutes and we don't care if you're on your iPhone. Like we had a, right. an event where they asked for a pre-recorded video and they said it can be from the guy's iPhone. We don't care the production value. We're not we don't care about right. Yeah. It's who it is there and the content. And then the other ones are like, all right, now are they standing or sitting? Is it going to be at an angle? Is the camera like they're super focused on that. So you have to be prepared. Every customer is going to have these weird like things that they get stuck on. uh, And having those options for them only kind of helps you have more product to sell to them.
0: When it comes to virtual, I, I've heard from some speakers who have, you know, like like a van or a Clint who said, "Hey, I'm really going to lean into this, and I really I want this to be a large, long term part of my strategy." Others who are just like, "It's just not the same," and I don't, I, you know, I'm doing it to buy time, but I don't enjoy yeah. it. How yeah. do you see virtual fitting into just the the speaking industry as a whole, long term, <laughs> in the in the coming years? Yeah. You know, two, three, four, five years out, is virtual still going to be a thing, or is everyone just kind of like it's a stopgap until we get back to to live events? What do you again? Magic crystal ball here, but what do what do you how do you see that playing out?
1: There you go. I'm going to peer into it real quick. Uh, But yeah, I mean, early on, everyone's like virtual sticking around long after this, like it's going to be around forever. It's going to be the new normal, and now we're just kind of realizing that people are hungry for live in person. So I do think that there's going to be I think there's going to be um, aftershocks of virtual content, you know, of, you know, maybe it is a group that otherwise prior to all of this would have just said, yeah, we're not going to do an event. Well, they're going to stop and think, well, I guess we could do a virtual event, low cost, you know, all we have to do is the online platform. So sure, let's do something so we can get content out there. We can get cheaper speakers and those kind of things. I think there will be aftershocks of this that are going to continue on. Um, but what I see it as is a resource. Why speakers, I believe, now need to be developing virtual content is that it will be the ultimate value add when things get back to full speed when the vaccine hits, right? Or whatever it is, or we get back to a, normal, a new normal way of living and in-person events are happening. The virtual content either is going to be expanded product line that you're going to be able to offer to a client, or it's going to be an additional value add to say, hey, I'll come into your conference, but you know, a week prior or a week after, I'm going right. to do an online engagement or a virtual engagement with your leaders or a certain group of your people or your teachers, you know, Hey, you know, if you're a specialist in some education area and you want to offer that virtual interaction to a special group of educators that you can bring additional value to, they're going to see that as, okay, I'm getting the in-person and I can easily, I got the content created and I've done it a million times. I can offer value added virtual content as well. So packaging those, it's going to definitely be a supplement to the new 21st century speaker. Of uh-huh. being able to do those virtually in need. And honestly, like I just with I never want to get into a situation where I'm telling the market or I'm telling my industry what it needs to be doing and then doing that. Like, I just think that that, you know, unless you're just like have a perfect track record of always predicting the right thing. That's great. But if you get into a situation where like, I'm not investing in a virtual. So I've got a couple speakers who are like, I'm not doing any virtual. I don't like my virtual content. I don't like speaking on camera. I don't like doing that. And I'm just going to play it out. I know I'm losing money, but that's my choice. So that's their choice. That's great. But if you want to play in that long run game, be yeah. ap- applicable past 2021, then you need to have that virtual content and you need to develop that new skill set. I mean, it's like the 2005 people saying, I'm not going to get a smartphone. That's ridiculous. My flip phone's great, you know. So it's, you know, you have to just really hear the market. And the market is just saying that, one, now virtual is the only thing that most people are doing. And in the future, it's going to be a part, I think, of the DNA. You know, sure, maybe 2023, 2024 when we've got all the that, you know everything's done. I still think even then, without the pandemic that we've experienced in these crazy times, right, virtual would be more prevalent than regardless. So I think we do need to be prepared.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I I keep beating the drum that, you know, virtual is never going to replace in person, but people have seen it as a viable option. And like you said, there's a, there's a lot of upside to it. You think about all the logistics and details that goes into planning an event for 50 people, hundred people, let alone thousands of people. And the number of months that go into prepping for that, all that has to happen in order to get that many people in one place Mm -hmm. at one time together versus like, we could plan a virtual event next week and we, it involves creating and sending out a link, you know? So the, the, It is simpler in some ways, it's harder in other ways, but uh, for speakers just in general, it doesn't have to be an either or decision. You can do both and, you can pivot accordingly uh, based on what the market is looking for at that time. So uh, to kind of put a bow on things here, again, we've got a lot of speakers who are, uh, who, who, especially over the past few months, have felt a mix of, you know, optimism and hope. All right, we're going to be good. We're going to be, I got this. And and then there's days you're just like, all right, well, like... (laughs) what's plan B here, you know, and everything yeah. in between, you know, that the fear, the uncertainty, and we all, you know, we all feel it. I know, uh, I've had plenty of, of conversations, um, you know, uh, amongst uh, speakers and those in the speaking industry where just the highs and lows we're all feeling. So, uh, what, what yeah. would you say to speakers right now who are, are just riding the, the highs and lows, the emotional waves here of trying to figure out how this is all going to play out? Yeah. I mean,
1: I, I, w- I would just say, stay like really focus on staying grounded and don't don't um don't set up expectations that you that you or don't set up goals that you know you have zero influence over you know the difference between setting a goal of like i'm gonna lose 100 pounds well why don't you it's the john acuff thing right set a goal of losing 10 pounds and then another 10 pounds so like very early on especially like when schools first started closing in march you know, and our school district the, in Williamson County, right? That was like every day. It was kind of we'll update you, we'll update you, and so yeah. like we didn't know what was going on in the world, but like we kept them be like, yeah, I really think you know this. They're gonna go back to school, like like we didn't know that, and so like yeah. every day we were disappointed. So translate that to speakers, like don't don't get in your mind that hey, you know, I, I'm just gonna do virtual content for a few months because I think that's gonna happen. Like I I think investing into the long run of whatever's working now only potentially helps you never hurts you. Yeah. Right. Like it will only preparing virtual content will actually only help you exercise your in-person content when that time comes developing and diversifying the packages and the options that you have to provide to customers is, is the, it can only help you, right. Can only help, uh, you know, give give them more options to choose from, and and, and look outside of, you know, speaking engagements. I mean, I, it's a hard thing to say. Is we're talking to a bunch of speakers, you know. But like, look to see how your content can add value in different ways—courses, you know, uh, you know, podcasts—and and developing content outside of the in-person. But again, all of it directing back towards your brand, all of it directing back towards you're the expert on whatever you talk about, and that your story is the most inspirational and needs to be booked when we can book live events, right? right. So I think as long as you're focusing on those things in the next six to Five, five, six, 10 months, 12 months, who knows how long, right? Right, right? But, you know, as long as you're focusing on those things, you're still honing your craft, you're still building your brand, you're, you're you're developing new content, and you're engaging your audience. And, like, that's just the recipe for being a successful speaker. It's just we can't get on stage right now. So you got to do it uh, the other ways. And I, I just say don't, don't stick your head in the sand. Don't, you know, say, well, I'm only going to do this. And then I'm going to, you know, that's all I'm going to put the time and right. energy to. So, you know, put the hustle in and, and make it happen. But hey, you uh, you did yeah.
0: uh, unintentionally mention the successful speaker. Five steps for booking <laughs> gigs, getting paid, building your platform. Go pick up that book at bookstores near you or uh, bookstores are probably right. closed. So go, go to right. Amazon, order order your copy. So uh, Ryan, thanks There's for the time, man. We appreciate it. If people want to find out more Always. about you, what you're up to, uh, where, where can we go? Dude, thanks for having me on, bro. Where do we need to go? Are you uh, uh Where do we, I, oh where do we what? Where do people need Sorry, to go to I find missed-
1: you? Last time I did your podcast, I told people to email me and you were like,
0: "Don't say that." Yeah, we should probably not but do I'm, that. Scratch that. But we
1: probably scratch it again. But anyways, no, go to premierspeakers.com. Check us out. I'm on Facebook, Instagram. Here's the I deal. Like Anytime we I'm have climbing.
0: any, like anyone uh, who's an agent or a bureau, I always yeah. try to give the cautionary tale of just like, hey, 95% of speakers listening, watching right now, don't go attack R- Ryan, okay? So R- he, he's busy. All, all, he's-
1: all you need to know is like what's right here, what's written right here. Just Google that.
0: Perfect. That, you can find me anywhere. Giff, thanks for the time, man. We appreciate it, buddy. See you later, guys. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Ryan Giffen. Now, again, before we wrap up, before you take off, one other reminder that we are doing this huge giveaway for the 300th episode. Don't forget to go to thespeakalab.com slash giveaway to enter it where you can win my favorite books on speaking, our brand new virtual speaking pro program, an hour long coaching call with me. And I'm so excited to announce the winner once the giveaway ends, but you got just a couple days left on that if you're listening to it now, which is when you should be listening to it, is when the episode comes out. Don't wait for months from now. But listen to these episodes when they come out. But uh, go to the slash giveaway to register, to enter, to win. Who knows? It might just be you. So thanks for hanging out with us, my friends. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.